This is Jeff Billard from Sonic Echo, and you're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Greetings, my friend. I see you're suited up for battle. Fight with honor, for today may be our last. As you know, the cities are ablaze. In this, Gafgarn, the Eternally Unfurnished, Episode 13. The Fall. An afternoon sun blazed over the smoking city. Plumes like great gray trees, wafting in the wind, collected into a drifting, rolling canopy. It was a veritable urban jungle of stone and wood that until this moment had teemed with activity. Streets were crowded with barricades, manned by gangsters and revolutionaries. The banner of the fox fluttered in a lethargic breeze above overturned carts and piles of detritus. After hours of fighting, the city took a collective breath, a great sigh before the plunge they knew lay before them. Only one area thrummed, the square of Nashul, where the bulk of the fox gathered amid a fortress of splintered wood, Anything strong and sturdy was taken to the square to establish a formidable strong point, and everyone in it armed themselves with anything that they could stab, hack, or crush. The rare few with the skill held bows and slings. Many of the former guard, forced to pick a side out of guilt or anger, had crawled from their hiding places and taken up arms in the name of the fox. Their mail and helms glittered, their lion tabards having long been discarded. They all looked to a boulevard leading up the nearest hill, where the estates of the rich and powerful sat under the monolith that was Castle Estel. Everyone watched the man holding a spear and a flag, his embroidered, beaten, reddish coat stained anew with blood and grime. Still, he beamed his shining pearls as he looked up the street to the castle, kicking the dust from his boot to still the excitement in his heart. Gafgarn sidled up behind him, grimacing at the cloud that puffed from Falk's shoe. Sully, Doran, and Amadi followed. Together the five of them made up the spearhead that drove for the square. Now they, and hundreds behind them, waited. It would have been better if your little army had spears rather than swords. Cheaper and more effective. Don't bum me out now, Wolfie. Besides, I know that. Why do you think I have one? It's all I could afford when I lost my business. But the sword's romantic. There's a kind of mystique about it. Shouldn't you be using one then? All this talk of romance. Because the spear stuck. It's on the banner. A little secret, though. 
Like most spearmen, I've got a backup blade right here on my belt. <clears throat> Guess you weren't completely crazy. Well, give me some credit, big dog. Urban combat, an army without any training, souls to inspire. Swords are the way to go. You're wrong, but suit yourself. Your war. What's your next move? This is our move, oh gigantic one. King Estel won't sit around knowing I'm close. Even now he sees us in the square, and I bet you it's putting his kingly nerves in a bunch. You know he's got a first tentacle yapping in his ear about how unholy it is. A group of unruly upstarts crowding the shul while a man hangs above us. The pressure's on. Boss won't disappoint. Doran yawned. Is he going to do whatever he's supposed to do soon? I'm thinking we get back to the cadaver before dinner. If we go anywhere, it's after AJ and the gauntlets. Why are we here then, huh? Last dust-up was almost an hour ago. These blokes don't need us anymore. Shut up and stay sharp. We're staying, right? I'd like to see this through, Sully said. Big man wouldn't miss this for the world, I'm sure. Besides, if old pal Wither is correct, the madam's just around the corner, fixing on getting her revenge. It's good to see your people stand up for themselves. Amadi interjected. These gangs of yours seem to have met their match. There may be hope for the kingdoms yet. That's the right attitude, sister. Hope. And know which end of the stick is pointy. The unmistakable rhythmic pounding of metal on stone made its inexorable way through the air to the square. Down the lane marched a retinue of shining, golden plate armor and towering shields, organized in rows 15 men deep and 10 wide. Roaring lions were emblazoned on chest and shield and fluttered white on blue flags on the tips of deadly halberds. A smaller contingent of archers in padded armor and mail followed behind. The soldiers strode with all the discipline demanded to guard the man amid them on horseback. His eloquent buttoned robe flitting in the light breeze and jeweled rings glistening by sunlight. King Ethel puffed his chest and regarded the crowd with a strong mix of annoyance and disgust. See how he finally comes to hang out with us regulars. He pretends to be as human as us. Too little, too late, I think. If his army were here, I doubt he would have come out at all. Yes, him and his entire Kingsguard. My whole time in Esthoring, I've never seen the king or them. They make the city guard look like children. Up that narrow street, your numbers would do little, Fox. Don't you worry about those armored fogies. I've got the right woman on the job. Just be cool and get down when everyone else does. The column moved down the hill. Rebels with shields, both able and makeshift, gathered around Fox, creating their own mass. A small bent figure, a hood concealing most of her face, spent a great effort to avoid the cacophony of boots as she tottered across the boulevard. Unable to outrun them, she fell and spilled a basket she was carrying, scattering roundish potatoes all around. The guards halted. Waiting long enough for her to pick herself up, she grumbled as she did. Oh no, don't worry about me. I'll just pick up my own weary bones. No need for any of you fit and able men to help a little old lady. No, never mind that. 
just stand behind your shields and shine in the sun. You're perfectly great, boys. Be proud of yourselves. You're no infernal louts, as useful as shiny sacks of whale dung. She continued her grumbling routine as she walked through the rebels, but the guards barely moved. Their towering shields still head out front, halberds pointing to the sky. People of Esterling, the king boomed. Calm yourselves. Your king comes before you in flesh and bone like yours. To stop your blood from staining our beloved city streets. Look, it burns around us, your homes, your markets. Family and friends bleed out on your own streets. You murder your god, the very people that endure to keep you safe. This is naught but chaos. Such words from an ignoble king. This chaos knocking on your door comes at you straight from your own apathy and inaction. Sitting pretty in your castle, you ignore the crime that runs rampant, claiming the hard work and lives of your people. Crime that fills the coffers of cutthroats and your own kin. Sweet uncle, duke, and cousin, duchess. Little more than braggarts themselves, if you ask me. Or your people which you haven't. Hence, this. Ah, yes, the fox. Finally, you come out from your hole. Address your king properly, usurper. My people, pull the veil the man has draped over your eyes. See him for what he is, a charlatan. After power and wealth, what promise does his revolution have in the wake of lawlessness and mayhem? The city was lawless far before I raised the spear, punk. Gangs plague your kingdom, the common folk suffer, and you grow fat in your sweet digs, surrounded by the wealthy and sycophantic. You promise only corruption and suffering. You're no king of the people. Look before you, fox. What can such a rabble do against a king's god? People, do not waste your lives on the swords and shields before you. Messengers already take their leave to recall my army. Lay down your weapons. Put out your fires. Your king hears you. The crime will stop. The army itself will bring this corruption to heel. You have the choice. Trust your king or die in his shadow. None moved but one of the king's guard. He stifled when a potato rolled against his boot. The weight of it against his armor feeling peculiar for a spud. At first, he regarded it with a swift roll of his eyes, until he noticed an odd hair coming from it. And the hair was on fire, like a candle wick, the flame quickly eating up its length. He knelt, picked it up, and felt an odd, solid layer beneath the softness of its outer brown. A roll of a thumb, and he discovered a layer of crude metal underneath what seemed like clay. His eyes wandered, catching a multitude of the odd things in the guard's formation. He watched the wick burn into it as he held it close to his face. All at once, the rebels hit the floor, shields up before them. Before any guard could move, explosions rocked the lines. Fire and shrapnel engulfed the king's guard, sending bodies hurtling, piercing armor, and blinding eyes. Pieces of metal stuck into most rebels' shields, though a few unfortunates felt the sting of their own trap. Falks was the first to rise, spear in hand. He charged forward and launched the weapon with great effort. Ugh. 
He watched it sail through smoke, over the bloodied and screaming guards, right into the chest of King Ethel. As the rebels began lifting themselves from the ground like one great wave, Falks cheered amid them, emitting a mighty roar of triumph. <laughs> then an arrow smacked into his chest. Those nearest him looked in the direction of its flight and saw a figure atop the brick wall of an estate, bow in hand, clothed in leathers with spikes adorning the wrists and shoulders. Sully loosed an arrow in the figure's direction, but they slid beyond the wall and out of sight. Some of Falk's followers gave chase, vaulting after it, shouting, Kill the assassin! Madam's murdered Falks! The fox will not forget! Other rebels were among the guard now, taking advantage of the chaos the explosions created. The guard rallied as they could. Arrows soared over the battlefield in both directions. Sully ran to Falks, now being carried back by his followers. They took him to a shaded spot in the square to assess his wound. His breath rasped like the tearing of cloth, and blood ran from his mouth down his chin and neck like a grisly flood. Not groovy at all. No, no, no. You're going to be okay. You can save him, right? He's going to make it? The revolutionaries gave their stony looks, and one shook his head slowly. This old tailor's done for, kiddo. No going back to the craft. For me, at least the people have an open door to freedom, right? Now it's up to them. I hope they get the cool digs they deserve. Just don't forget. We've got to fight for it. <sighs> he let out a last sputtering breath and the life left his eyes. The revolutionaries continued fighting up the hill, picking up the king's guards' armaments as they went. Those strong enough took the lead with the shields and protected others from falling arrows. Like a gale, they stormed up the winding boulevard, torching estates as they went to claim the castle gates. Amadi and Sully looked out over the city to raging fires and heated combat. It was as if the king's and Fox's death were felt on every street in every quarter. What do we do now? I'm here to protect people, but storming a castle. We catch up with Wither and Aleda. Find out if I was the distraction they needed. Get the gauntlets. Save the girl. Kill AJ. I could be of better help elsewhere in the city. Fine. Do what you want. Alice is just an innocent girl. She doesn't need protecting or saving or anything like what you say you do. Don't mock me, filth. Then help us help her. Or go in the city alone and get killed by your friends back home. Your choice. If it's to save the girl and kill the madam and AJ, then I'll come. We help anyone on the way. You can. We go quickly. Keep up or don't. That's up to you. You would let those people... They've chosen their fight. It was never mine. You wanted the people to stand up for themselves, so let them. Boss, we're not going to help? After all that? No. We helped enough. We owed Fox, and the debt's been paid. His revolution's in their own hands now. Now, we do what we came to this city to do.
Long live Fox. Oh my God. Benji and Madame Ursula took out Fox. You know, I really like that guy. Gonna miss him. This has been Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished. Chapter 13, The Fall. Your narrator, Gafgarn, Doran, King Ethel, and Fox Soldier Number One were voice acted by the maniacal Michael Bethel. Fox was played by Zachary James Machias. Sully is played by Caitlin Curtis. Imadi and Sick Lilith are played by Deborah Cristobal. Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished is written by Jeremiah French. Check out his blog on drunkenmarmoset.com and he has a Twitch channel as well. Production, editing, and music are by Daniel French. This story's got a long way to go. Help us keep it going. Go to patreon.com slash chronosphere and become a patron. In the meantime, I'll be producing some more Port Lock for you. Until then, my friend, keep your cosmos clean. Mutual Audio Network, listening and imagining together. Hey, do you like thrillers, action, adventure, mystery, crime drama? Well, you're in luck, because here on the Mutual Audio Network, we have Thursday Thrillers. You can subscribe and have a dose of adrenaline-pumping audio every Thursday from your favorite podcast player. Get it here now.